0: I'm just going to jump into my lesson today. I want to talk to you about one simple word today, and that word is closer. Closer. So uh, turn over to Bibles of Genesis, chapter 3 is where we're going to start. But I want to talk to you about the word closer. Now imagine you're, you're leaving um, church or work or something, and you're taking an Uber ride home and it's about a 25-minute, maybe 30-minute Uber ride home. And as you're driving, riding, the driver turns to you and says, you know what, what is the story of the Bible? What, what, what is the, the whole meaning of it? Talk to me. i got about 25 minutes here. What would you tell me the story of the Bible is? My suggestion to you would be to say the word closer. You ever hear somebody say, I went to church, or I went to prayer time, or I went to uh, uh, an event, a Devo, and God showed up! You know, I hear that and I think, was that like a special occasion? Like, he just comes at one time, like he's not normally ever there? But sometimes people say that, that God showed up. Well, they're partly true, but in fact, God is with us all the time, amen? But the Bible isn't a story of... Mankind seeking God. That's not the story of the Bible. The Bible is the story of the God who shows up in this world where we are. See, as a church, it isn't for us to say, go find God. It's for us to tell the story of the fact that even though we are sinful, pitiful, wretched, weak, hurting, God still shows up in your life, regardless of where you stand. So what does that mean, God shows up? Let me illustrate it for you like this. Picture back in Genesis in the Garden of Eden. You had Adam and Eve and a great relationship with each other. Uh, Everything was going good in their lives. And the best part about their lives is that they had a close relationship with God. They had a closeness with God that we can't even describe. They had everything. God and man walk together in the garden. They talk together in the garden. This is how it starts. God and man, beautiful, close relationship. Then suddenly, in Genesis chapter 3, mankind makes a foolish choice. Satan says, hey, do you want to be more like God? And Adam and Eve says, yes. Satan says, I can give you everything you ever wanted. I mean, really, Adam, you have everything you want. You have the most beautiful woman in the world. She has the most handsome man in the world. It ain't but two of y'all. You got the best in the world. You got animals that talk to you, the best pets in the world. Think about it. If they didn't normally talk to them, then Eve would have saw the snake talking. she would have ran. It was common for the animals to talk to them in conversation. Best pets, best health. No bills to pay. They had it all. Yet they fell for Satan's trap. Look in Genesis 3, verse 2. Satan had started deceiving them, and then Eve said, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the tree in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not surely die, the servant said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You know, when was the last time you made a really bad choice? I mean, one of those things that you thought, man, what was I thinking? That was just stupid. Adam and Eve thought, okay, if we make this choice, we're going to be even closer to God. So they took a bite, boom, they were further from God than they had ever known. You know, many Christians who Jesus died for just do stupid things and they end up far from God. Now don't be upset because I said the word stupid. It says it in Proverbs 12, verse 1, he who hates correction is stupid. So I'm trying to correct you. If you hate it, the Bible speaks for itself. But just think, Adam and Eve, they see the fruit, they think this is going to be good, and it ends up separating them from God. So what happens next? Is it that man goes on this hunt back for a journey with God? Nope. God begins a slow march back to mankind. Because he says, look what you've done. I've created a relationship with you that is so close, it can't even be described. And yet, you threw it away. Now, God says, if that's what you want, I understand. Now, if it was you and me, we would be like, okay, you messed up. You need to suffer the consequences. Get out of my garden. You need to go somewhere. But God says, even though you messed this up, I still love you enough that I'm going to draw closer to you again. Now, if you think about all the stories you've heard growing up as a little kid, even those you've taught in kids' Kingdom. This is a story of God having a great distance from mankind, but slowly drawing closer back to God. Let me give you some examples. Look in Genesis 11, verse 4. Genesis 11, verse 4 and 5. We've all heard and even talked probably about the story of the Tower of Babel. And the story goes like this. They wanted to build this tower. Look at what it says here in verse 4. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. You know, the word in here, the Lord came down. See, in the garden, he was with them walking and talking. He had a relationship. But after what happened in the garden, God had to be separated from him. So he had to come down to see what was going on. Because no longer was he with them there in their presence. God shows up in our world today. Think about Jacob and Esau. Jacob tricked Esau out of his blessing. Even tricked his dad out of the blessing. Well, when Esau found out, Jacob took off, ran for the hills. And then there was a story. Look over in Genesis 28. You may remember this. You probably even taught the story about Jacob's ladder. As Jacob was running away, he was out in the wilderness, so he set up a rock, he laid down, he went to sleep on a rock. And look at what it says here, first of all, in verse 12, Genesis 28:12, He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth, with its tops reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. He fell asleep and he saw a stairway connecting earth to heaven. Then look what happens in verse 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought... Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob woke up and realized, God is close to me right here. So he set up a pillar. He set up stones because he wanted to remember God is right here showing up in my life. This is how I looked in the first few chapters of Genesis. God shows up, and people freak out. God shows up, Abraham falls down on his face. God shows up, Jacob sets up a stone. God shows up, and Moses says, oh my gosh, a burning bush, look at that. Each time, God is drawing closer to us. Now again, let's think of the story of Moses. God comes to Moses and says, look, I'm going to give you ten rules. And he's given them these 10 rules, 10 commandments, 10 rules, because he says, look, I want you to understand, I'm about to move into your neighborhood. So you need to be different. You need to change because when I come close, things change. And so you need to consecrate these people. You need to change these people because I'm coming to the neighborhood. And so that's why he gave them these 10 rules so they can get themselves prepared for God to draw closer to them. That's the whole story of the Mount Sinai. It's not just about be obedient, legalistic. It's about, listen, I'm coming to live near you. So get your life right with me. Look at Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Does Moses go looking for God? Nope. God goes looking for Moses. Now, why is this holy ground all of a sudden? Because that's where God is. He says, listen, you're coming close to me. This is holy ground. You need to take off your sandals. You don't understand where you are. You are getting closer to me. So here's God coming closer to mankind. And so he says, okay, Moses, this is what you need to understand. Look at chapter 19, Exodus 19, verse 10. Verse 10 through 13. And the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for people around the mountain and tell them, be careful that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. He shall surely be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on him, whether man or animal. He shall not be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, may they go up on the mountain. Wow. You say, God, why are you so uptight? People got to die, even the animals. What in the world is wrong with you? He says, listen, because I'm closer to mankind than I have ever been since the Garden of Eden, you need to be ready. You need to change. It's not me that needs to change. You need to change because what I had in the garden, I'm about to bring closer to you. And in order for you to even be able to be in that presence, you need to change. I wish I could have been there seeing Moses walk up on that mountain. He walks up through the thunder, through the clouds, through the fire. And he goes and he talks to God. He even talks about it in Exodus 33:11. God and Moses talk face to face as a man with his friend. That's a closeness. Never before, never since Adam, has God been that close to somebody personally. So close that when it's all done, Moses walks down and he is just radiant. He is shining. He has to put a veil over his face because he's going to freak everybody out. He says, you know what? We need to build a tabernacle. We need a place for God to be at. So the tabernacle is, is basically a, a place for God it becomes the center of all Israel. So they build this tent, this tabernacle. And I used to think that the tent simply means a place where all the Israelite leaders met. But that's not what it was. That was the place where God met man inside this tent. So the Israelites would gather. And you can just see one of the mothers walking with their son. Hey, what is that? Oh, that's God's house. That's where God lives. And that tabernacle, that tent of meaning was so special. They would not leave unless the tent was the first thing that they packed up in order for them to move. They took special care of the tent more than even themselves. Because they knew now God is with us. Can you imagine that? Everywhere this tent is, that's where God is. That's why when they went out for battle, they thought anybody in our way, you're getting crushed. Because we got God with us. I mean, they were so confident. They were so courageous because they knew, here he is. He's with us. He's here in this tent. Then later David came and he says, you know what? We need a house for God. We don't just need a tabernacle. We need something different. They built an incredible place. I mean, of gold, of marble, beautiful. But it had different layers to it. First layer is where the Gentiles could go. The second layer is where the women could go. Then the, the men who are not priests could go. And then the priests who were not high priests could go. And then they had a curtain, and behind the curtain was the Holy of Holies. And again, you can see the Israelite mom walking with her son. What is that? That's the place where God lives. What's behind the curtain? Oh, oh, don't worry about that, son. We will never go back there because we're not priests. Well, what's back there? That's the holy, that's the covenant, that's the mercy seat back there. See, all the rules and regulations... Were because God was not mean, because He's not a tyrant, but because He came to change things. God told Moses, "You're on holy ground." God said, "This temple is holy. All Israel would make pilgrimages to the temple, so they could just stand out there and be in awe of God's presence." The Israelites at this point would come in there and say. You know what, guys? We've never been closer to God than we are now. There is the temple of God. And God said, oh, I'm not done. I can get closer than that. And they're like, how can we get closer than standing outside the presence of God? He said, no, 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 no. I can get closer than that. Her name was Mary. Her husband was Joseph. She gave birth to the temple of God, the body of God. God had become unbelievably close from that journey way back in the garden where he was so close. He's been working his way closer and closer and closer. And then all of a sudden, here he is, his son, one and only son, exact representation of him being born in a manger. And he was born in that manger so that you and I, people, will be able to know who he really was. Could you imagine being able to touch baby Jesus? To hug baby Jesus? He's growing up. people being able to hear His voice. What would the voice of Jesus sound like today? Being able to touch, this is how close God says, I want to be with you. I want to be able to be able to touch you, to hug you, to cry with you. God had finally moved all the way since the Garden of Eden. Moved, 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 moved closer and closer to be here with us. And then once he got here, what did mankind do? Beat him, spit upon him, and crucify him. Now, if this were a movie, and the all-knowing, all-powerful God was there, and he had moved all during the movie. Had a great re- beginning, great family, great start. And then somewhere along the line, somebody killed one of his family members. At that moment, that would be an oh snap moment. You know those old snap moments where like something happened and then David Banner's eyes turn green. <laughs> and you know the Hulk's about to come out. Or if Bruce Lee gets punched, boom, and the music, boom. <laughs> you know that somebody's about to get beat down right now. Well, if you're looking at this, God has this beautiful family in the garden, and then something happens, and he works over thousands of years to get back close to you and me. And then he finally is close to us, and then we kill his son. Anybody with a brain would know the next thing is an old snap moment, because we all should be dead. We all deserve it. But only, only because God is who he is and not one of us. He says, you know what? I'm going to get even closer. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Even closer than Jesus dying on the cross? How can you get closer than Jesus dying on the cross for us? Let me tell you. Look in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theopolis, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Then he has the tent. Then he has the temple. Then he has Jesus. And even then, after we kill Jesus, he says, I'm still not done trying to be closer to you. So I'm going to give you something. Look at what it says here, 1 Corinthians 6. I'm going to give you something that's going to change you forever. 1 Corinthians 6, 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commit outside of his body. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that you, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are brought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. The God who came all that way from the Garden of Eden, did all the things he did. He came down and said, I can get even closer than a temple. I can get closer than my own house they built for me. I can get closer than sacrificing my son. I want to dwell within you. You are going to be my temple now. And I want to live inside of you. You are the temple. Do you understand that? You are the temple of the living God. God says, I want to dwell within you. My presence is in you. And when he finally does this, you know what he does to the church? He has the best relocation program ever. You see, when Jesus was alive, he could only go from town to town. He was kind of isolated where he could go. But now if he's living within every baptized disciple of Jesus Christ, he's not only here, he's all around the world. He can be everywhere. The presence of God becomes you wherever you are. God says, how close can I get? I can get closer than Jesus because I can become an indwelling in you. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts chapter 2, we know what happened on the day of Pentecost, but let me read it for you again and bring it back to you. On verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. His main disciples. Perfect unity. So you have to start seeing yourself as God sees you. God sees you as his home, his dwelling place. you got to hear what I'm saying, because it doesn't, it doesn't register with many of us. We just go to church, we get baptized, we try to live a great life and make it to heaven. You're missing the point. He wants to live within you. Because too many times, so many people are saying, well, I wish I could get my friend to church. I wish I could get my family to church. You are the church. Wherever you go, you're taking God to them. We don't need to worry about, can I get you here at 10 o'clock in the morning? What are you showing them from 9 to 5 at work? you got to understand, this is what it says. What if you wore a shirt to work or school that says, I am a people of God? Would they treat you any different? Would a shirt make them treat you different, or is that just how you live already? That they know you are a man or woman of God. That is not even a question about it. See, do do you really understand you are the dwelling place for God? You are the temple of God. See, let me ask you this. Wives, if you really understood you are the temple of God, then when your husband comes home from work, do you greet him at the door as if you are the temple of God? You don't hear hardly nothing on that one, do you? <laughs> okay. Husbands, why is it so hard to serve our wives if we are the temple of God? So you saying it's hard for God to serve your wife? Because if you represent God, that's what she Well, God can't serve me. You can't serve me. You are the representation of God. Brothers, how pure would you be with the sisters if you realized you are the representation of God? Let me ask you this. How many times would you take him on a date now? Jesus didn't go on no dates. How you know? He encouraged brothers and sisters. That's what dating is. It's an encouragement. So let me ask you this. If you are the presence of God... We shouldn't just tell our kids how to act. We should show them how to act and let them reflect on us. See, many of us, you're playing church, guys. You cannot play church. Either you are in the temple, the presence of God is living in you, or he's not. It's one or the other. And this is where you got to understand. you got to see, okay, if this is where he is, if he's in me, then you know what? I'm not going to go back. I'm not going back. I can't go back. Because I've been set free. God let Jesus die to set you free. Quit living like you're on parole. He sets you free from where you are. And because of that, you can't go back. You can't turn back. You've been set free. You no longer need to be trapped in the world of sin. You no longer need to be engulfed with what's going on. To stand up right now and make sure you said free in the Lord. Stand up right now if you said free in God.